Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I don't want to take too much time dawdling before I get to the introductions because, you know, it's rare that I get two people in on a Friday. It's rarer still I get two people who are radio guys to begin with back in the day. So I'm not even I'm not even going to talk today. And it's rarer still that I get two radio guys who have a new project coming out that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. Uh, but first up to my left, the voice of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You can hear him doing PA. He's done all kinds of other things in radio throughout the city. Mike Neighbors, thanks for coming in. Hey, great to be here. I'm uh, this is your long, first time in the building, right? Long time listener, first time guest. Yeah, well, so. you've been you were working for the competition for many years. <laughs> this was the evil empire. I was like, I wasn't allowed to step foot in the door. Now I don't work there anymore. So here you glad, are. Glad you uh, you welcome me in. So Absolutely. Great to be here. And next to him, uh, a man who uh, people are going to know from radio from before Mike being. The the voice of the Hamilton Ticats, more recently uh, a member of Hamilton City Council. His name is Jason Farr. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. I'm, I'm somewhat of a regular though, so I, well, and the place yeah. is still familiar to me. Well, see, if we, right over my shoulder here, right. there's a window behind me. Of course, it's radio. Nobody can see a theater of the mind. But um, <laughs> for years, you and Darren Laidman used to come in at two in the morning or something and do their morning show on Y108. Well, uh, Roy Green would come in first, so he did the midday show, or the sorry, the morning, then nine to noon, but he'd be here at three. Uh, and then uh, so I could, the country staff would come in. We had that country station. I'd be around 4.30 and uh, others would start to stagger in after that. But but Roy was so devoted. He would do the show before he did the show. I swear to God. Do a run through? Scripted and run throughs. <laughs> very organized, very well researched. No well, wonder why he's national. We never worked that hard. No, that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that you don't need to remind people no. of, of uh, what a well-operating radio show is supposed to sound like. And then the kind of work that goes in it before you even turn the mic on. Yeah. Scott, thank you. It's This is going to be fun. I know it in advance. Well, and you guys have a project coming up that I want to talk about a little later on. Sure. So people can stick around. you got a new show and a new podcast coming out, which we're going to talk about sure. uh, a little bit down the road. But first, of course, I know that I, I've dragged you guys both away from your rigorous training for the Around the Bay race that you're both doing this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah? Yeah. I don't think I could do Around the Block race <laughs> at this point. I would only do it if there was ice and I could do it across the Bay race. Then. Yeah, I the, would, yeah. the Pythagorean race. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Isn't there someone in a pickup truck with a cameraman in the back? I could drive that pickup <laughs> truck around right. the Bay. Years ago, one of our photographers of The Spectator, Barry Gray, put a GoPro on the dashboard of his car and drove the 30K route. Oh, wow. And then put it all in super, super fast motion so you could see it as if you were running it. And I watched this and went, if this was a sales pitch, you have done the opposite. (laughs) This is the last thing I want to do now. That is a long way. That is a long way. So so I don't know. I remember that because I was the guy just standing there with the footlong at Easter books. (laughs) You got to, you got to blink and miss it, right? (laughs) Yeah, no. I, have you ever done the 5K or the 30K or anything to do with it, either of you? No, no case. <laughs> no. I, uh, I no told case. you this would be fun. No yeah. case, yeah. I was actually, uh, there was a, a, a radio promotion. You know, we're always working in radio. You're always trying to come up with new promotional ideas. And I had the idea of putting bibs on cars and doing like a 30K drive. I, I thought it'd be a fun, sort of different kind of take on the 30K race. And so I couldn't get anyone to go for it, but I thought I would do that. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. The, the biggest uh, moment uh, of my athletic life in terms of uh, uh, fitness and, and durability and running the streets of this wonderful city would be uh, the Wentworth Stairs. I, I could at one point in my life, my young life, 20, Scott, uh, go up and down two and a half times. 
That's now, now I I can't even drive by those. <laughs> well, this is this is why you were such a big uh, you know push for the uh, the the uh, what do you call it the the, the tram thing, the, the, yeah. right, right? Right? Yeah. The the uh, mountain climber. The mountain, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. You're a, you're a svelte guy. What about you, Scott? He looks you like a, a runner. Yeah, you look you look a bit like a runner. Have you ever taken on a big <laughs> run? No. The, the only reason I'm not overweight is because of a tapeworm. <laughs> oh, nice. I got one early, yeah. and I'm yeah, sticking with it. Uh, no, I, I am not a runner. I've done the 5K once. Okay. And uh, did I you told, train for it? I I did. Yeah. I did. And, and like you would thought that with the training I did, that I would have been good at it. And yeah. and here was the problem. And I've told this story before, so I won't. Well, you wrote about it. about it. But Ted Michaels, who was working here at the time, yep. Ted, you know, big pusher for the around the bay race yeah, and everything else. Runner. Well, I said to myself, I cannot let Ted beat me. There's right. no chance I could live with that if I let Ted beat me. Yeah. And he beat you. Well, of course, Ted being Mr. Around the Bay, they give him the prime spot at the very front. <laughs> if you've ever done the start of the around the bay race, it's a narrow thing you have to run mm -hmm. through to start your ch I was five minutes behind them before I even started <laughs> no, the race. So now I'm right. spending the whole time trying to catch up and I finally see him. He's like a, 200 meters ahead of me as we're coming down Bay Street towards the rink. And I got I to gotta get there. I'm dying. Yeah. And I start my dead-on sprint way too early. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I did beat him, but yeah. I, I thought I was going to die. Yeah, I, they, I honestly yeah. thought I was going to expire. Well, the yeah. legs start getting wobbly, and right? And, and yeah. Like, that's yeah. brutal, man. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the chariots of fire theme also <laughs> gets wobbly. Everything. Everything. Yeah, everything. The, the but you did beat him. I did beat him. He didn't know that I was coming up behind him, which was a, you know, a help because I, yeah, <laughs> I caught good. him by surprise. But, uh, you know, you mentioned, we got to take a break here, but uh, Mike, Already? you mentioned, <laughs> but you mentioned putting the bibs on cars. You yeah. do know that back in 1978, there was a car race in downtown Hamilton. I did not know that. Yeah. Race 78. Hamilton. 1978. It was a uh, Labatt Hamilton championship, a 1978 auto race featuring Formula Atlantic Labatt Championship Series cars. Bobby Rahal was in it. Wow. Danny Sullivan. Wow. Uh, August 7, a 2.1 kilometer 10 turn temporary street circuit in downtown Hamilton. How do you think that goes? Race cars <laughs> in downtown Hamilton now. I, I can't figure. They probably love the one-way streets. They yeah. probably did. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. when I grew up, I would have been 10 then, but you, you learned to drive in the loop, which was the Delta all the way down to Dundurn and back. So King to, to, yeah. Durant, to Dundurn to Maine, and, and then you just kind of went around in circles and you cruised, and I thought maybe that would be the uh, scene of the race, but uh, uh, well, even, uh, even a shorter track. Wow. Oh, those are big names too. Yeah, I don't know. It, it would really, uh, it would really be much more difficult today because the people in the bike lanes would just be shaking their fists oh, at you when the cars were going by. Oh, yeah. yeah, we'd have to hold off the LRT. I <laughs> uh, want to talk about this though, and Jason, I'll go to you first because everyone knows you served three three terms as city councilor. So this is uh, something that would be right in your wheelhouse. This Thursday, so yesterday. City Council received a report, their annual report on attendance at city workers' attendance. How many people were off sick at any time? How many days off they took over the course of the year? Okay. And uh, the number is uh, is in line with other years, basically. Now, this does not include COVID-related stuff. That was done separately. So we've taken that out because StatsCan also takes that out. Right. The average... Uh, days off per Hamilton employee was 13.6, which was basically, which was exactly the same as in 2019, right before COVID started. Almost three weeks, if you count those as work days. Statistics Canada says that is actually slightly below the national average for public workers. The, the national average is 16.7 for public workers, but for private sector workers, 
it's 10.9. It's it's lower. So do you look at this and say public sector workers are taking more sick days because they have them? Or are you saying private sector workers might take more sick days if they had them, but they're forcing themselves to go to work because they have to do it? Wow. Uh, well, let's. We talked uh, a great deal over the years, and my three terms, twelve years, is what that equates to uh, about absenteeism, uh, about uh, sick days, and uh, people like uh, Councillor Ferguson would sort of lead the charge and try to mitigating that number. And as politicians, you would always suggest that it, it would re- reflects badly on the council if uh, we didn't have that work ethic. And and so I believe, like in twenty nineteen. We kind of celebrated, believe it or not, that thirteen seven or whatever it was, and and because it was it was actually worse. Uh, that said, there are advantages working with uh, the the public sector. Uh, the the private sector, you're a probably going to get um, a better chance at a company owner or boss or president or CEO that holds a hard line on absenteeism and doesn't like it too much. In in the, the public sector, unionized environment largely, uh, you're not going to get in a lot of trouble. And unions over time, particularly our unions were really good negotiators over decades and decades and decades. By the time I got there, things like don't give worker A, B, or C a hard time because – you know, they're telling you they need another day, uh, you know, probably extended, you know, the amount of days before you need a doctor note, that kind of thing. And so that by extension turns into uh, making it a little bit of an easier climate to to call in sick, mm. to take that day or two or, 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 or remember, I think. 20 years ago, we invented the term, I need a mental health day. It was mm-hmm. considered a sick day, but really you were just tired of going to work. Yeah. And actually, in, in a lot of cases for me, mental health days worked. Uh, I just needed to get away. But the reality is there's just an easier time of it, in my humble opinion, because of all of the, the opportunities you have in a unionized environment. And when you look at uh, the city, and there's two kinds of workers, there's union and there's management or non-union workers. Whatever goes on in the union, whatever they're making, whatever whatever uh, time off they're taking, whatever whatever uh, benefits they uh, uh, negotiate is going to translate to the other side. Almost like back in the day or maybe still today, DeFasco and Stelco. Stelco, sure. Yeah. One involves the other. I don't know if I answered your no, question, but, Scott, well, but it's Friday night and Mike, what do you think? Do I you should be in this, my pajamas. You, do you look at this when you're hearing this? Do you say, well, some of the public sector workers are maybe they could go to work but they've got these days, so they're going to take advantage even if they're a little sick. Or do you say, no, maybe the private sector workers are going to work when they should be home because the numbers are really different from the two sides. They are. Yeah. You know what? I my, I would always be really more interested in worker output. I, You know, if you if I had a great worker and they ended up, you know, needing more time off, but they were killing it. You know, as a boss, I'm just I'd let that slide. I mean, I've 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 done in in my time in management and radio. Um, you know, I've not filled out vacation forms or whatever. I, it like ultimately at the end of the day, if you have a good worker um, who's who's dedicated and there, but when they're there and they're getting the job done, then I'm I'm less inclined to care about how many sick days they need in a course of a year. The only reason I bring this up is, A, because it's just been reported in the city, but according to this report, this absenteeism cost the city $14.7 million in 2022. That's not counting COVID. That's on top. COVID is on top. Right. It's a huge amount of money for absenteeism. Yeah. And 
and, and I have a hard time knowing where to go on this because I've, I've taken, I've been off sick twice in the last 25 years. Yeah. I just, you know, I don't right. take sick days unless I'm having a near death experience, quite honestly. Yeah. And I look at this going, maybe I'm wrong by going into the office if I have a sniffle because someone else could get it. Some would say, you shouldn't do that. You're going to put others at risk well, where I'm like, you're paying me. Let me ask you this. Do you love what you do? Both gigs. Yes. Well, that, yes. That's, that, that's a fact. But you're also, my thought is, and I got this from my parents as well, if they are paying you, you yeah. should be working. But, you know, I rambled incoherently for about four minutes when you asked me that question, <laughs> which gave Mike the opportunity to come up with a really great answer. And don't tell me your mind wasn't going to worker output. You know, it kind of reminds me of garbage workers. Then your guy, Bust, uh, and uh, God love him, he was a great, he's retired Steve now. Steve Bust, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, he exposed the, the garbage uh, workers going home early. Remember, he had the, he was lying back in his sedan taking pictures at noon as they're <laughs> lining up and they're supposed to be done at two. And I defended the workers. I defended, uh, uh, number one, the hardest job in the city is, is a waste collection. And number two, they were really, really good at it. They, they, they had their roots, and their roots were logistically uh, formulated based on what they can accomplish in a safe and effective manner. They just got really good at it and ended could up do it faster. Back, yeah, and could do it faster, and but I, they got it done, and we didn't get a lot of complaints. Worker output. And worker even output. Chris Murray was very different. And actually, to, to much to the, the chagrin, of Steve, because I think he really thought he had to expose something. <laughs> okay, there. And so, worker output was fantastic, and therefore the story really didn't go off as crazy and as that's, that's, maybe publicly was expected. To Mike's point, I don't have any problem with someone if they get the job done and get a job get it done quicker to say, well, then be done at three o'clock. I don't care right. if you're done. Right. That's not the issue. I'm looking at this saying that by next year, if we're at thirteen point six, which is the same number that we were at before COVID. When you consider now we have Zoom and Microsoft mm -hmm. Teams and FaceTime and you have computers at home, shouldn't someone who is not dying but they've got a sniffles be able to work from home so this doesn't count? We should see a number go way down. Because, again, if you're really sick, I'm all for you being off. But if you just don't want to come to work because you could give someone a cold, Surely you could probably work from home, and, and no? And there's a whole lot of hybrid going on right now. There is a right. lot of Zooming going on. And you're city. also, though, with the city. I mean, you're talking, you know, there's a lot of, of, of people working in jobs where they physically couldn't do it from home, right? I mean, they're working parks, they're working some, road, sure, they're working some. whatever. So, and sometimes physically demanding jobs. Now, should someone with a physically demanding job have the same number of sick days as somebody who Good works in an office and, you know, and basically could do that job from home? I mean, there's a there's just a lot of stuff sort of beneath the numbers. That's a great but question. But if you wanted a really, really good workplace, if the city wanted a really, really good workplace, you really almost need free coffee. <laughs> plus, plus some sort of an ombudsman who would be able to judge some of these things and say, you know, not necessarily give them more sick days, but, but, but an understanding of what constitutes a real sick day versus See, a, I just, I think that it's not going to go down to zero. It's not going to go down to five. It's no. not going to go, but uh, you would think that now with the ability to work from home, mm -hmm. yeah, that this 100%. should be far, far, far less. Like if for this to get down to 11 mm -hmm. or 10 even would to me seem not unrealistic. Your point, Mike, right. uh, we got to right. go. Your point, absolutely true. If you are a garbage collector or if you are working in a park, you can't do that. I get that. But yeah. if you're a desk person. Yeah. Surely you can do some of that stuff from home and ring these numbers down and save the city some of this money. A thought. 
Mike, I'll go to you first on this one because uh, this is just a, to me, this is just a bizarre story that we learned months ago that the prime minister, we went to the queen's funeral or we knew someone stayed in a $6,000 hotel room and the government and the prime minister went out of their way to not answer who it was and not say who it was and hide who it was. And we can't tell you who it was, security and all this. And then last night, just bloop, it just, they release, oh, by the way, it was the prime minister and his wife. This seems like just terrible media advice that the prime minister is getting or some bad strategy. What is the point? If you've stayed in a $6,000 hotel room and someone asks you, just say we stayed in a $6,000 hotel room. I, I, what's the secret? Well, the only thing I, I would suggest that goes on there would be, you know, you don't reveal until your hand is forced because ultimately it might just go away. There's so much stuff and there's so much to keep track of. And I heard you talking earlier with Scott Thompson and, and you know, you're absolutely right. They, you know, they tried to wash it during Biden's visit <laughs> and it didn't wash well. Yeah. Um, but, but ultimately I think that's their play is that we just, you know, hopefully this will go away. No one will keep looking. And then somebody's dogged enough to keep bringing it up, bringing it up. And then eventually they got a cave, but there was a chance, Scott, there was a chance that it would never have been revealed. I, I suppose, but Jason, it just seems like if it's not a big deal, if it's, if it's okay to do it because you went and did it, then surely it's okay to say, I just, it just seems to me such a stupid thing to be at your hill to die on yeah. here. Yeah. Immediately thereafter, there's no harm, no foul. I mean, you're going to get people going, he's living large. He's living like royalty. He didn't need, he could have stayed at the best Western four blocks away. Um, but, uh, in reality, uh, you're bang on on this one. The longer you leave it with freedom of information, uh, if it even got to that point, uh, eventually someone who is dogged on the story or whomever it may be is going to, it's going to get out. And for, for Trudeau at this juncture, not to realize that, that just about everything <laughs> he tries to conceal, even stuff he did in high school, it's going to get out. Even before this though. So before, like I, I to me, the more you say, we're not going to tell you. I know. The worse it looks like when it Absolutely. finally comes out. Absolutely. If you had just played, well, what's the problem? At the mm. beginning, we had to stay somewhere and the costs were high. And yeah. But beyond that, you've got a prime minister here who Mike has, it's not the first time living large has been <laughs> something. At, at some point, do you not think someone in the party says, maybe not the most expensive room in London. Maybe we find something that's not going to draw, draw us into trouble. You know what? Uh, yes. And I would love, but I would love to know, it's sort of, you know, this goes back to, you know, what, what so there's so many issues where it's, when did Trudeau know? But even what if he, he doesn't know yeah, this, right. I, well, even well, if he doesn't book his own hotel right. rooms, which I suspect he's not booking, he didn't call up and no. say, it's, it's Mr. Trudeau with Sophie, I want a room. Someone did this for him. Sure. Isn't there someone in the party who says, maybe we don't spend the most possible money? I, 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 yes, I, there should be. In a in a perfect and not even a perfect world, in a rational world, there should be not not to give him great ideas. Um, he should be able to do that on his own at this point. But I mean, really, you would suspect that the royal family would want all the world leaders to be in one place, and maybe they made the suggestion for the high end accommodations and bang, uh, you know, the issue is over. You, you that, have an out. Yeah. Right. Now he probably hadn't brought that up to this point and he's <laughs> concentrating on Joe's visit and uh, he's hoping this, this goes ago, away. But this was months yeah. before yeah. that, that I, and again, I mean, look, the Aga Khan thing, 
yep. should have been in the back of his mind. And mm. flying to uh, on Indigenous Day, yeah, we you know, and, and, yep. and all like yep. all these things that are all about living large. Surely, someone at some point, there's got to be some advisor who says, "Mr. Prime Minister." Maybe not Best Western, but maybe it could be the three thousand dollar hotel room, <laughs> right? Not- Which is still fit. The mints at the three thousand yeah. dollar hotel room as good, in my opinion. I want to know what they got for the six grand. Like I want a good see night's the- sleep. I want to yeah. see I hope. the room. I want to see the yeah. accoutrements how has, of a $6,000 a night room. Yeah. How, how, how do you tip in a 6000 Yeah, well, how has no media, Canadian media company, been over there to, I, to, I, to, yes. to shoot that? To shoot yeah. that. Because I would, you're right, I'd love to, like, is, do they have a, I mean, I know we got oh, a Oh, it's bound to happen. Did they have a butler? There was a butler there. Right. But, but I mean, look, you go into a, you go into, uh, and I've done this before because this is just sort of stupid, but on, on YouTube, you'll look and see what the most expensive rooms right. on a cruise ship are. Right. And it's sure. like $40,000 a week. And yeah. of course you want to see, what are you getting for, well, you got a yeah. grand piano. Great. I'm going to go on a cruise and play the piano in my room. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was stupid, but. But you look at it and then you book the interior cabin down that's right. the galley. That's right. <laughs> but you're really angry when you find out you still got to line up at the buffet like everyone else. <laughs> like I just don't get, I, I don't get why you would do, I don't get why you would do this. And if you've decided you're going to do this, I don't get then why you don't just say it and be out with it because it's going to come out. And the longer you refuse to answer, the more it looks like you've got something to hide. Mm. And the more it looks like that you're trying to manipulate information. Yes. Which is, which is a much bigger issue on other big files that they also look right. like they're trying to. Absolutely. And at some point you go, it's not a good look for us on a small thing. There, there's some big things that we have to try to manipulate the information, but let's let the small ones float. Jason, when you were on council, let's say, for example. I'm You're going to get into Show Creek now, <laughs> no, aren't no, you? No. no, but let's say, for example, that you had got a speeding ticket when you were on council. Yeah. And someone said, Jason, we, there was a Jay Farr who got a speeding ticket. Was this you? Well, I, you know, I can neither confirm nor deny. Like the, yeah, the longer, sure. you, if you had said, and I'm not saying this happened, I'm just saying, if you had said, yeah, you know what? I did. I got a speeding ticket and I've paid it and it was stupid of me and. It goes away mm-hmm. in, you, you may get a slap publicly from a bunch of people going, what a, you know, shouldn't be driving like a maniac, yeah. but it goes away in two days. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. you say, oh, well, I, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't, uh, it just extends it. Surely uh, they know this. I, I was pretty good at saying, sorry, I, I, I didn't get, <laughs> surprisingly, I didn't get myself in too much trouble. We went from a rock and roll <laughs> DJ booth behind you there uh, and living that lifestyle to being a counselor who, who I pretty much stayed uh, out of trouble. I remember once, and it was actually in the first term, and we were celebrating something. I think I was celebrating my win, and I had a pint in my hand at Out and About down in Augusta Village. And uh, somebody else comes up and hands me another pint. So I'm, well, I'm going to take it, of course. They're saying, hey, congratulations. Well, now I'm two-fisted far on Twitter. <laughs> and a few people ask me about it, and I would just quickly tell that story and say, you know, I mean, I'm just a regular guy. If someone hands me a beer, I got one going already. Of course I'm going to take it. And so you tell the so, – so, yes, you acknowledge yeah, what I, happened. I say sorry. And, you, and it's not a big deal. And so I go back to your point, Mike, which is if this $6,000 hotel room – if it was, well, you know, every hotel room was really expensive. There weren't a lot to choose from. Yeah. You know what? It was a little more than it might've needed to be. Right. But yes, we did stay. It was my wife and I, it's yeah. gone. It's yeah. long gone yeah. by now. hundred percent. But you're, you're kind of getting to a point here and I, I promise I didn't use this as a counselor for 12 years, but Howard Stern used to always say a famous radio DJ that we all know, uh, know how to get yourself out of trouble before you get into it. 
And if you're staying, I don't care who you are, prime minister or Canadian royalty, in a $6,000 a room. U.S. Hot, U.S. Yeah. So 20000 Canadian. <laughs> uh, you, you should expect... Uh, that that's going to get out, like you say, but have have a significant answer, like prepared, not not what's going on. But then flush it out right away. Yeah, but yes. the, other, the other thing he could do, and I think it would have been a completely plausible answer, is look, do you think that I'm on the phone to Expedia booking my hotel room? My staff, I didn't know. Even still, he's I responsible for his staff. Ultimately, they should, yes. They should be told, no 6,000 a night, but go he, with the 3,000. But could he not have said that then? Could he not have said, look, somebody booked me into this room. <laughs> yes, I stayed in the room. I have talked with them because uh, that's not what I want to be spending the money on. You could have said it was a staffer that was exuberant. There, there was a million different ways you they, could have addressed they've, they've this. They've since been demoted and only book my restaurants now. Yeah, that, but, you could, <laughs> but even if they haven't been demoted, we've talked about it with my right. staff. This is not how we should be doing this going forward. And there's a million different things. Yeah. To hide it though, yeah. it just becomes sure. a thing now where when it pops out, even if they try to use it as a Distraction. Well, that Shadow Creek thing was was that this is the same theme. Now we we went into camera, we came out of camera and said there's been a very significant spill. So we announced that as quickly as possible. It was midnight. Uh, Dreschel or somebody was still hanging around from the spec. They always do. That was six hours in camera talking about this, and we just learned about it. Every one of the counselors and Mayor Fred Eisenberger, but we still got creamed. In fact, some of us heard it at the doors, and some of us are no longer counselors. Mainly because of this situation that that just ended up escalating and it got worse. It was snowball out of control. They're not transparent. They're not transparent. Well, we had this high-priced environmental lawyer for six hours saying, you can't tell them how many liters. And so we didn't say how many liters. We said it was significant. We said, don't go near that creek. We're still working this out. We're still trying to figure this out. But we couldn't say how many liters. And, and that was not until weeks or if not a couple months later. And yeah, I know exactly how poor Trudeau feels. Now, I've never stayed in the same place he stayed, but I do know how he feels to some extent. It's the, it's it, it, you, you're better to deal with it. You just get in front of it. As Sam Marula, the great Sam Marula, who one day will name a boulevard after, I'm sure, rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, get, well, get the pain over with. Get it, it out. It seems like that is the better choice every time because it doesn't work well if you don't. Guys, yesterday on Ben's story of the day, on the segment we do, we were talking about a particular story, and I wanted to bring it up with you and ask if this is a sign of poor taste or poor judgment or us not having a sense of humor, all right? The city of Regina, Tourism Regina, came up with a rebranding of its city the other day, and they're in all kinds of trouble now because the suggestion for what they wanted as the wording, the idea for rebranding the city was, show us your Regina. <laughs> which a lot of people went, wait a second, we're not going down that path. Yeah. Which I, I said, it's kind of like the CFL once upon a time when they did our balls are bigger, different thing. But is this a, is this indicative of us, of us not having a sense of humor anymore and being too politically incorrect? Or is this just a really bad idea no matter when and what someone was doing it? Uh, well, uh, first <laughs> of all, Ben, no, I'm looking at Ben behind oh, you there. Oh, that's Ben. He ben. comes up with gems on a nightly basis, and th and this is a good one. And I think most Canadians will love this or do uh, if they've heard about it. Most people are not going to be offended by it. Everyone is going to get it, just yes. about. Anybody who doesn't, then not, we not don't got to worry about yeah. those. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think this is – it's lighthearted. It's not – 
actually being offensive. It's alluding to it. And so yes. enough of well, the cancel culture. Let's just move on and let him let him run with it for a year and watch what, what where tourism goes. All right. So Mike, just so people, if people don't know this, you were the guy, you ran a comedy radio station here in town for a that's, while. That's right. I was the ambassador of funny. If you had. <laughs> Self-proclaimed. Yeah. If, if you had come up with this kind of thing and gone with this on the radio station, would people have said, Mike, that's brilliant. Or would they have said, what are you thinking? You know what? Uh, Scott, I think uh, on the radio station, fine. You know, we'll take a little heat sometimes. That's one thing. When you're talking about representing a city uh, through a tourist board, um, I would say I would challenge them to be more clever. I would challenge them to be smarter, and I would say, yeah, no, I, I don't think it flies. And it, and it's not. I get, I get. It's you know, don't we have a sense of humor? But it's it's cheap. It's cheap humor. And and they could have been far. You know, if if you put the challenge to a, a, a really good comedy writer uh, to come up with fifteen bits, I bet you we could have come up with something that was better. That wasn't just a cheap rip off on our name. Sounds like something else. Like what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no. So I when I read the story, my initial reaction was, oh come on. Like, but it's think just a like joke. a think like a marketer. Saskatoon did all those things that you suggested. They spent weeks in the boardroom with the best marketers in all of Saskatchewan. Are we talking about Saskatoon right now or are we talking about Regina? That's the mission of Regina and the entire nation, if not North America and other places what are talking about this right now. <laughs> it doesn't have to rhyme, but you get my point. I mean, they want to get people interested. They want to get people talking. There's a debate so, going on between Mike and I right now. It's not going to ruin our friendship, maybe for a brief period, <laughs> but the reality is Regina's getting people talking Glad and that means separate cars. That means it worked as simple <laughs> as it is. Sometimes the simplest marketing is the most effective. So let's go back to the example because how long ago was it? 15 years ago the CFL had that Our Balls is Our Bigger campaign. And, and it's one of the only ones I remember. <laughs> and that's the thing. So, yeah. so there were people I know who were like, well, that's juvenile and that's stupid and that's offensive. And there's others that, like yourself who says, yeah, but I remember it at least. Yes. I, 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 you know, and what's the, is that the point? Is, is the point simply to be memorable I mean, my, my issue too is, okay, so people may chuckle about this one and they probably will. Is this going to make anybody say, I got to fly to Saskatchewan now? No. I would say probably not. No. Well, if they're in the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, I don't although. think that. And I think, again, I'm going to go back to the fact that your, your <laughs> slogans for your tourist board have to be representative of your entire population. As, as best you can, you cannot have, you know, Part of your part of your city going no that I find it offensive. Well, then it's offensive and it's off the board. But Ben didn't say Ben. It's not. They're not going nuts in Regina, really, are they? Well, it's oh, it's un, it's unclear what. Well, oh, okay. so so Mike, to your point though, and this is where this whole thing started for me. Really, is you're you're right. If half the city or a part of the city says this is offensive, is there anything that you could possibly come up with in 2023? that is not going to have some people saying that's wrong, that's offensive, I can't stand behind that one. That's that's one simple, of the challenges here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the quick answer, no. Good night, everybody. Can yeah. we go home early? It's <laughs> no, impossible. It's I know, impossible I not to offend I disagree. these days. I, I, oh. You watch comedians. We all have seen the comedians, right? And you've, you've, we've got comedians who live out there on the edge. We all know that. We all know who they are. And you mentioned uh, Bill Burr earlier or Big something. Big fan. Um, but then there's a guy like Nate Bargatze, who's a, a hilarious comedian. On it, there was nobody who's ever left his show and went, "Well, I, I'm offended." 
but Bill Burr's staying where the prime minister stays. <laughs> and Nate, well, Nate's pretty good too. But that that's, you know, that's well, comedy it's, it's, and there's variety, but Bill Burr is still there and people still say he's probably but, the biggest comedian But in the again, world. you're representing your population, right? right? So that's the whole population. That's not the part of the population that has a sense of humor. See, I think what they should have done, honestly, first, well, Ben and I talked about this last night. The thing that was amazing to both of us was that somebody came up with this one, told his or her boss, went to the city and said, here's what we've come up with. And then some of the city it. went, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Not thinking at any point along the way, you know, it's, yeah, it could be funny, but yeah, I don't think this is going to fly. Like, this is something you come up with and then you say, you know what we should do? We can recoup some of our money for spending this by selling this to a local strip club. Right, right. right? Yeah. And they can use this yeah, one and yeah. we can come up no, with something yeah. else. I, Run it before I, a focus group, whatever. But as I understand it, city council in Regina did not sign off on it. This is the tourism board there is run as a third, uh, like a, a, a separate entity. Boy, you really did your homework yeah. on this one. I, <laughs> well, I just thought the story was really interesting because it does. It cuts that line where we're all kind of, is there too much cancel culture? Listen, I, I'm, I'm usually on the side that says, yeah, there's too much. There's, you know, but if you're being offended in a comedy club, that's a lot different than when you're being offended by your tourist board of your city. Uh, yeah, the I mean, look, I, I did a, a headline many years ago. I was working for the spectator at that time as well. And, um, I, I was editing that particular day and there was a story about a cheerleading competition that was held in town and, uh, the headline, I thought it was very clever. It says, uh, athletic supporters prove they too are jocks. And, <laughs> and I thought, Hey, that's pretty good. And play then, on words. Yeah, there the, was next, trouble. the next morning I got, had someone call and says, what made you think it was a good idea to refer to 12 year old girls as things that cover men's <laughs> genitals? It's like, well, I don't think that's what I meant at God. all, but, but the, I mean, the point is you can either think it's really clever or you can think it's sexualizing. It was never my intent to sexualize right. it, but, um, this one, I don't know how you can not say the obvious it was obvious what they were is what doing they were suggesting. That. Nobody's questioning that. No. Yeah. 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 So uh, that makes it a little more. Yeah. I just think everybody needs more to just take it easy. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. That, uh, that voice that you're hearing coughing, that's, uh, that is the voice. Sorry. Of, that's okay. Former city councilor, Jason Farr, former, uh, Ticat play or, uh, PA announcer, Jason Farr, former radio jock, Jason Farr, just behind me here in the station. And next to him, uh, another former radio guy though, this is his first time in this building because he was always the enemy. Uh, also, <laughs> always. well, and now the current voice of the Ticats, if you go to Tim Horton's field, uh, Mike Neighbors. Thanks for doing this guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, this is a real treat. Mike and I have been working together for oof, long time now. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you're working together and I want to get to this because you guys have a new, pro I've been saying it for the last hour. You guys have a new project you're working together on. One right. of you, tell us about it. Yeah, sure. It's called Hammer Down with Jay and Mike. Okay. And it's a podcast, first and foremost, but it's also a televised uh, thing. So the podcast is televised, and then about 48 hours later, we throw it out there to uh, wherever you get your podcast. Jay doesn't know how that part works. Yeah, yeah. that's Mike's <laughs> end, the tech end. Uh, and actually, where we're doing the show as a TV show uh, side of things, it's at our old uh, stomping ground, Cable 14, which you know well, quite obviously. You've been everything, uh, a political pundit, a, a panelist for anything sports in this town for many, many decades now. Uh, and they've been great. They've been unbelievable. And the studio they set up and the monitors and the it, it looks like a little corner of that famous Cable 14 studio on Dundurn is now set up for 
podcasting. So we may not be the first, but for now we can claim we are. And uh, we're, we're really looking forward to it. And Mike can share with you one of the bigger reasons why we call it Hammer Down. And it may not be what you think, Scott. All right, Mike. <laughs> Uh, really? I didn't, I didn't know we were going to share that. Uh, <laughs> well, we're not. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Not. Well, then make like, something up. Is this a beer every time you make a good point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hammered down. Uh, no, actually, it was it was kind of funny because uh, after I left my last gig, uh, I decided that there was one thing I'd always wanted to do that I'd never done, uh, and that is drive a tractor trailer. So I am in the process of getting my AZ license. I'm going to school right now up in Cambridge. And I should have my license in the next month or so. So hammer down is a is a popular trucking term, meaning uh, meaning put the hammer down, put the, right. uh, put pedal, the gas, to the pedal to the metal. So uh, so that seemed to sort of work that way. And then hammer being a Hamilton two Hamilton guys talking about stuff. So hammer down with Jay and Mike, and it'll be Wednesday nights at seven on cable fourteen, and then forty eight hours after that we'll put it up for the podcast. And is this exclusively Hamilton Council Hamilton issues Hamilton kind of stuff? Oh no, no, no! I, I was like, oh, it's all politics. All no, we. That, in fact, unless it's absolutely necessary, we'll be veering far away from the politics. Yeah, we want to go hard and fast on topical stuff. But Mike, actually, uh, when we initially started talking about this back in '89, before there were podcasts, we were talking about this. It's got to be something you can tune into a year from now or six months from now and still be enjoyable and talk. A lot of good podcasts do that. They yep. think that way. And so our guests won't be timely necessarily. They may be, but the questions and the way we uh, present our topics and the guest, one guest per show, uh, will be set up in such a way that, you know, you can tune in in August, and we just did it yesterday, and still find it entertaining. I think those are the best podcasts, at least in my opinion. So, and and the hammer down, yeah, I think, you know, I'm so excited about it, I, I probably will remain excited, and you know how I get when I'm excited, and so the pedal will be to the metal on my lips anyway, so it, it, it fits in that capacity as well. And you understand, Scott, doing this show, you really have to churn. You know, I mean, you're churning through so many topics every night. And and so it becomes a very topical-driven show. Whereas we're hoping for kind of a more relaxed conversation between two old pals yeah. talking about... And that's what they want. Maybe some fun stories from the past, things that we've done in Hamilton, the way things used to be. And uh, and then, you know, funny the funny things that we notice on a day-to-day, -day, which we really have gotten good at from our years in radio, just sort of noticing that nobody... Nobody ever uses a blinker anymore or something. Yeah, like that. Ad, ad lib will be a big part of it. I, I don't want to uh, profess to be the greatest at it. He's very good, Mike is. Uh, but regardless, uh, again, some of the best podcasts, I think Bill Maher is a very good example with the one he has right now where he sits in his lounge and just spontaneous for mm. one hour with whomever he's talking to. Uh, that that really plays uh, to to our advantage as, as buddies – uh, outside of when the on-air light is on. Now, think of it. We've been working on-air together in that capacity. We, we probably did about 20 years in total um, in various formats and always with a program director that kind of led the, the the direction of the show and the content and the timing of the bits. And some of them were more oldies, less talk. So we had 35 seconds. 
the exact opposite format of what we're about to mm. embark upon. And, and, and all the while, in all those years with all those formats, with all those restrictions, although some, like uh, the legend, 820, <laughs> it felt like zero restrictions, but you still had to put on the Johnny Cash now and again. Uh, you know, we would often talk about, wouldn't it be great to have a, a format, a broadcast format, that just lets us run loose and free. And and I think a lot of DJs over the years probably had that same feeling. Right? And the main reason we're here on a Friday night, Scott, was really to entice you to become one of our guests on the show. So, Oh, no problem. You used to come have, on our show all the time. We would love time. to have you as a guest because yeah. we... We have a guest segment every show, and we thought, well, Scott would be an excellent guest. How do we get Scott? Can, well, can, let's offer to be on his show. Can we tell the story about the time I called you at five? Yeah, and yeah. Woke yeah. you up and uh, went, and I said, we're on in 60 seconds. Went back to Scott live on the radio, Ben. You know this one? And all I heard was, <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Fell dead asleep <laughs> waiting. Back asleep. I'll bet you Ben's heard that once or twice. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell, you another, tell you another story. As long as Jay, your listeners are Well, I'll tell that. you another story that Jay did to me that uh, this one was almost worse than that. You called oh, me really? up one morning and you said, I want to talk to you about your column today. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I was like still half, it was 5 a.m. I was almost dead asleep. And so you come back on and you start talking about something to do with my column. And all I can think is, I didn't what write. What the heck did I write? I don't, <laughs> I can't go on the air and say, I don't remember what I wrote. I, I, I had no idea what you were talking uh, about. And it was only finally at the end when you looked and went, oh wait, this is Steve Milton. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank goodness. Cause I thought I had, I thought I was losing my mind. <laughs> I had no idea. You were the best. Donnie used to come on your Monday nighter. Uh, we had some regulars uh, for a while there that uh, could very much be welcome in our studio anytime. And, and having worked with Jay for as long as I have, the one thing I do know about him is he never reads to the end. So, no. I mean, that's part of the issue. I was like, did you see that email? It's like the first head. two lines. But there's a face at the top of <laughs> Well, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, in that Steve, case, Steve has a shock of white hair. I do right, not. Right. But, but Scott, you, uh, you came on all those years ago and we could always count on you, even when you were dead to the world. Even when you were sleeping, you were better than most of our guests <laughs> and you're very good at it and you love it. And I, aren't you like, I am so pleased at first I thought it ain't going to work, but podcasts are really just, it's just a, a new world of radio. A lot of it talk radio, but there's millions that are probably music driven. Uh, and I think it's, it's awesome because it's the, I, I thought audio was going to die. I mm. thought audio was going to die for about a decade there. And now it's like alive more than ever. There's something like 2 million across the mm. world podcast and growing in North America there. Yeah. No, I was listening the other day to, uh, to one with a, a guy that we have on this show with some regularity, Alan Cross, the, 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 yeah. the history of new music. Yeah, sure. Or, the, he was my boss here. Yeah. And Alan, Alan does amazing. Great uh, guy. And was listening to a really, like the most ridiculous topic you would think off the top. Sure. If you said, I'm going to do a podcast on the history of ticket sales for concerts. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was fascinating. Like fascinating. if you do a podcast, yeah. right. Right. Yeah. It yeah. is an amazing vehicle to be able to tell stories and do things. I mean, there's a ton of really bad, I mean, believe me, I've tried some yeah, over the years. That's and the went, sifting oh, through man. the 2 million. Well, and, is... and, and that's the, I mean, the, if there's any advantage that Jay and I have, it's the fact that, that we, that we are trained broadcasters. I yes. mean, you kind of know when. Nobody to... could tell that from your two voices. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when a topic's running dry, you know when to yeah. get out of it to keep the energy levels up. And there's a lot of people trying to do podcasts who don't have any of that training. And it, it's a, you can tell they 
want it though. You can tell they're radio shows. lovers. So, anyway, we're we're really looking forward to it and can't wait for it to debut on April the fifth. And so. to have we're, we got a running start not only in the fact that we have we're steeped in history. It was our career really for decades. But uh, you know, you got a director, you got the you got all sorts of people that are very talented at Cable Fourteen, and so to have the studio and the setups and the find people behind the show that makes it a heck of a lot easier than just him and I ham and egg in it in a basement with you know egg cartons yeah well that's that, <laughs> you know some of those are good and some yeah, of those are yeah. not that's that's true saying. that's a- true April the 5th hammer down on cable 14 and, and thank you for the opportunity yeah, to plug no. it we didn't come on tonight to plug it it just so happens hey you know what it's uh <laughs> it, it's it's a good thing you know good good people doing good work it's a good thing so uh keep your eyes out for that I want to go back to something that's um a little more in the news and a little more serious. We're going to bounce around this hour, but in the last last week, we had the by-election for Hamilton Center. Uh, Sarah Jama won. And leading up to the by-election, there were a number of city politicians, city councillors who had been either campaigning for her or put something on social media endorsing her. And this is not a new thing. We've seen this Many, many times, Jason, you've done this before for, for candidates with uh, Chad Collins and with others. We've had many, many, many city councillors have gotten involved to either run, as you have as well, but mostly to help out other people who are running. Is this a good idea? I've always said this is a bad idea that we should have a separation between municipal politics and provincial or federal. Tell me why I'm wrong. In my case, uh, I would defend it to the death because he's just such a great guy and a longtime friend. So I, I, I was very selective, asked many times, very rarely acquiesced. But with Chad, with Count, um, MP Collins, um, you know, I, you know, the whole city felt that he, you know, he was doing the right thing, and they probably said the same as me and most of his close friends and family. He should have done it 15 years ago. Uh, so, so it was a little bit different. But I see what you're saying because ultimately municipally, some party is going to win provincially that you're going to have to get along with. And word gets out when the mayor and three other councillors are stomping for the party that doesn't get into power. And that could create a conflict. Brad Clark talks about that all the time. Really important that we get along with whatever party is in power. Right. And, and, and it's not just the NDP and it's not just this time. I mean, yeah. you know, as they say, but, you worked for Chad. We've had other people work for, uh, for different candidates and provincially and federally over the last little while campaigning and knocking on doors. And, and I just, Mike, I, I just, I look at this always. And I think the reason that Jason just said, you have to deal with a party that's go your and parties and governments. And if you have made your bed and said, I support them. And I, by definition, then also think you're wrong, that you're the wrong party. That just complicates things, doesn't it? I, I, I agree. Did and we, we just talked about this, didn't we? You and I? Well, a couple of days ago. Did we talk about I it? I think we did. I, I, the, the only thing I, I always, the thing I loved about municipal politics is it wasn't party driven. Mm. It, it, and, and I really wish that there was a way that we could keep the parties out of it because I still, because I, even now, even when you run municipally, there are the party, they don't come right out and say it, but there's the party machine gets behind a candidate or whatever. So I, but I, I really wish that wasn't the case because I think parties are really one of the biggest issues we have with democracy. Um, 
But at, at the same time, then you kind of go, well, okay, well, let's say you can't. Let's say we can't have any, you know, sort of, uh, you can't. Uh, no endorsements. No endorsements of those guys. Whatever, yeah. But then you ended up in Hamilton, right, with a with a former NDP leader now running for mayor. So, I mean, the, the party the parties are going to bleed into your system anyway. And so yes. I, I do think that they're. That you can, I could make a good case for if I'm a supporter of Jason's and now Jason is is out saying, listen, I this guy thinks like me or this gal thinks like me, um, then then maybe there's a win there and 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 I and I can go along. With it's it. no it's no secrets, guy. And the NDP are masters at this. I mean, that's why you're 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 talk, we're talking about this right now because they just had a, a slew of councillors and and MP Green and others, uh, Sandy Shaw. Uh, helping Sarah Jam out. Uh, first of all, as a by-election, the availability is there uh, as opposed to elections everywhere. But on the other hand, they have been hammering away at grabbing a, a, a strength strength on the municipal front across the nation. Uh, hard lefters are focused municipally, and then they want to build from there because it hasn't worked really other than Bob Ray with his photo radar. It's not working for the NDP on the provincial or national level for decades and decades and decades. And so now grassroots politics is their thing, and they're using social media better, and the uh, councillors who are aligned with left or hard left, some of them even anarchists in my opinion, I won't say who, but I'm telling you, they define anarchy. Uh, those folks folks are focused municipally and have been for some time and they've been building and building and building this base mostly through social media some of it is crazy stuff that's hard to believe but impossible to deal with with respect to trolling and all of that nonsense but it's it's not going to go away now the reality is your guys at the spec Dreschel used to I think it was a yearly thing where he'd know which counselors affiliation, where, where the affiliation was. And I was one of the few for the longest time that was nonpartisan until the liberals came calling and asked me to knock on doors. So it, it really was not a big secret that Judy Partridge was a liberal, that Chad Collins was a liberal, that Mayor Bob, well, Bertina was a little bit all over the place. <laughs> even uh, even when they moved, like uh, uh, Tom Tom Jackson went from conservative to, to liberal. Uh, people knew it. So you already had counselors who had this party affiliation, and, and most people that followed politics knew it. They really see it when you go out and stomp, though. It's almost difficult. I, I would have to go through the list one by one, but it's almost difficult to find someone on council now who does not have either at a party affiliation having run for a higher office or a party affiliation having knocked on doors for someone of a certain office. It'd it, be tough. E e almost everybody. It's has, a lot easier to find NDPers on council now than it ever has well, been. Well, except, you I mean, you had, you had councillors who were uh, knocking on doors for Philomena Tassi in the last yeah. election that were putting up social media. And this is the other thing. I, I suppose it's a good thing, Mike, that they are being public about it so it's not being done in secret. On the other hand, when you have counselors who are posting video or pictures or videos on Twitter saying, I'm supporting this person, again, I look at this and I just say, how does the party, if that party doesn't win, how does that benefit the city? And isn't that what every city councillor is supposed to be about, benefiting the city? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and I agree that it creates a, a bit of a problem because especially provincially, I think federally less so, but provincially more so because you, because this city, so every time when I was, you know, would, when I would have conversations with Jason, we would work on projects together and stuff. It's every time you run into the line, you go, well, that's provincial funding. We need more provincial funding. We need, I mean, it really is provincial funding is the, is the big white whale in fixing the problems in this city. And if you're not able to communicate with that pro pro provincial government, that is definitely problematic. 
You had somebody write an editorial on that today. And we are a creature of the province, right? Sure. They, 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 they set the rules for us, man. The provincial policy is what we follow. And the provincial policy is built or amended or, or, or ratified by the existing political provincial party. And if they're all PCs, which they are now, and they're looking at a place like Hamilton, which is predominantly becoming NDP, it appears, at, in the local level, um, that, that could hurt you. So why add fuel to the fire, to your point, by putting yourself out there on social media saying, hey, rah, rah for So is it better or worse? Person it- who's never going to be in charge of the provincial government. So if we know that certain councillors that all, okay, let me back up. We know that councillors, people who run for office are political by definition. Sure. They are therefore going to have political positions and they are more than likely going to align themselves even just mentally with a party. Dressel would rightly choose one for me because I would never divulge. And in fact, I was never really sure, right? I mean, I, I was never really sure. And I, d- you do not have to have a political affiliation, as Mike kind of noted, as a municipal elected official. Well, you can be nonpartisan. And I would but, g- but he, by by following council, watching council, reading my motions, seeing how successful they were and how hard I fought for certain things, he put me a little left to center. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, well, he's he's. it's not hard to figure out if you, if you watch the But I would even go as far as to say that when Jason first got into local politics, politics, he wasn't political. He wanted to make Hamilton better. Yeah, like like he really was a, he really was a, let's talk to everybody and find a, like he didn't come at it with, I've got the, the winning solution. Okay. It's like, let's find a solution. Let's work together. So, so he wasn't necessarily a political, it wasn't at all a political animal. True. That's and, a good point. But you're going to eventually in that environment, you, you're going you know, to yeah. develop, <laughs> you're going to align. And so I, my question yeah. is though, is it better to knowing that everyone is going to have a political position, whether they announce it or not, you're going to, is it better that we know and that you come out right at the beginning? And so at least we know where you're coming from, or is it better that they keep it quiet and we just sort of know that it's there, but we don't really know. I, I, I would believe that it would be best if they just came out and said it. And, you know, some of them say it with their signs. <laughs> they yeah. choose the colors that, right? I mean, sometimes that's, that's very, it's very apparent. Uh, Jason's signs were always multicolored. I had multicolored signs. <laughs> well, and it goes up <laughs> so, and down. Too. I was inclusive. So, <laughs> but it goes up and down. Like it goes, so there are municipal politicians who are stumping for provincial and federal, but you also have provincial and federal stumping for candidates yeah. in yep. the yep. provincial yeah. I'm gonna tell city you election. There has been some great people running for parties that I may not be affiliated to that I'd love to have knocked on doors for too, right? I'll tell you this. I had a Pete Wisner sign on my lawn. Did you? I did. I'm not a conservative. I've never had a conservative sign on my lawn, but I work with, that guy is uh, an outreach police officer. You want to talk about somebody who really knows inside out, in-depthly the issues on the street and knows the people by name that need the help the most and has gotten millions and millions of dollars towards solving the problem, not just talking about solving the problem. That guy's just a, and a good guy. See, because you just actually I put a sign on my lawn. You just said what I was going to ask, which is if the idea idea is that city councillors are about bettering the city, how come it is that city councillors never seem to change affiliation when someone, when you see someone who's going to be a great candidate yeah, yeah. and you may be someone who has been liberal, l- liberal, yeah. but all of a sudden, well, you know, that NDP person might be better or that concern, but you never or rarely see it seem to see the change. It's locked into a partisan thing. It's yeah. a mess, man. That's, uh, that's part of the problem, isn't it? That's don't it. worry too much about it, though. Fred, Fred, Fred was good at it. Tom, great at it. Uh, uh, Tom Jackson, uh, Fred as mayor, others. The, the people knew 
provincial people particularly, some federal, their political affiliation, but they still got along nicely with whatever governing party, like a mayor especially who has to deal with. I was really buoyed by the fact that Ford said all those nice things about Andrea when she decided to run because there is a lot to uh, the job that really falls under the guise of theater. That they're not really that angry. They're just shouting at each that other was one because of the big that's questions. I wrote what about they that. do. I wrote about that. That was one of the very big questions from this election is how would Andrea Horvath be able to work with Doug Ford and vice versa? Mm-hmm. And I will say this. So far, I have thought that Andrea Horvath has been not, not only not confrontational with the province by and large, but I've thought she has been less left than I expected. She has been more centrist than I think a lot of people would have expected so uh, I far. I got a feeling with this council, you ain't seen nothing yet to that end. And there's another example of a person absolutely fabulous. I, Andrea, have known her a long time and a really great person. Not an NDP, but man, I mean, I'm very well, more than anything award. proud of her yep. for her accomplishments. And when she says she loves this city and she'll defend the people that live here to the end, she means it. I mean, she really is but in as it I say, for I, I, making life better for Hamilton. I got to give her credit. And I'm this. not in her party. No, no. And I got to give her credit on this one so far. And we're, you know, we're only five months into this term, four months into this term, but I, I have thought that she has been far more centrist than you would have thought. You might have thought as I the agree. former leader of the NDP. Yeah, we'll see how that goes over time. But her voting record's still a little left. Though. Well, and 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 maybe <laughs> it is. And it who is. knows? And Which maybe it's by comparison. Maybe with some of the people on council and some of the votes and some of the positions, yeah. it Could is. Be. It appears that way, but we'll see. I mean, credit where credit is due. For sure. <laughs> so the Canadian Screen Awards are coming up. I'm not particularly sure that everyone listening has already set their PVR to be able to watch this. I didn't, many people probably don't even know the Canadian Screen Awards exist. Nonetheless, uh, the Canadian Screen Awards in their, you know, uh, like we do so often in Canada being, well, either blazing a new trail or being wildly politically incorrect. (laughs) It's one of the two. Uh Uh, They are going to be giving out their awards this year, but the acting awards will be gender non-specific. You mm. will have a best actor, best, what do they call it here? Let me find the uh, the proper name that they use it. It's a, um, I think it's achievement in, wait a second, I'm just scrolling down here. There's a lot of different awards here. Uh, da, 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 uh, uh, not stunts. Performance? Uh, performance in a leading role, period, and performance in a supporting role. Uh, and there are men and there are women who are up for both. Is this as much as this may be a forward-thinking way that we no longer have to worry about gender issues on this or whatever, ultimately, is this going to make anybody happy? Or is this a recipe to just create more problems? Because, you know, let's say, let's say two guys win the best acting, best perform, best performance in supporting role and a leading role. Let's say two guys win. Right. Do we not just start a whole new, dis- oh, look at the patriarchy that voted for the men on the, is this going to make anybody happy, Mike? <laughs> I, I, wow. <laughs> you know, I, it's, the funny thing is, um, cause when I read that story, it was maybe a couple of years ago, I was, I think I was watching the Oscars or I saw something about the Oscars and I almost tweaked to the idea that I'm surprised they still split that on gender. Um, that they hadn't already gotten to that point, just with the way society is at large is going. So, um, so I, again, I'm much more in the camp of, 
you do you, I'll do me over here. What you said at the beginning was most people don't even know the Canadian Screen Awards are being yeah. given out. I So I don't think it's a game changer that way. Um, if all of the actors, and by that I mean both sure. male and female actors, um, if they all wanted to do that, if they all signed on or their, their association voted in favor of let's get rid of gender, well then, yeah, I, I'm okay with it. I don't think it changes anything, but... I don't know, Jay. I, I, I think that it's either going to be, again, that, oh, the guys won, so something's wrong, or the the judges are now so conscious of this that we can't have guys winning that now you end up, it's not a being judged on your performance. It's, it muddies the waters, well, the, we the had adjudication a, side yes, we had Yes, we had a, a guy win last year, so we better make a woman win this year, because if three times in a row a guy wins, woo, we're all going to be screamed at. I mean, yeah. the well, screen award the so, so male is, will be the hashtag, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you made the point. Where, where the fear is that that's just one example of how wonky this could get, but there's probably about 50 others if we sat here and thought about it. And now you, it puts to mind there's uh, there was and probably still is, there's everything on the internet, but there was something going around, I don't know, about six months ago, and it was the woke PC crowd. It was West Coast USA somewhere, and they're trying to have a community meeting, but they want to make everybody feel welcome. And the meeting is supposed to get underway at 8 and it doesn't get underway till about 11.30 because everyone's standing up saying, virtue signaling, a lot of them saying, I need this and I need a room with no lights and this room's too bright. And they were accommodating and accommodating and accommodating to the point where- You couldn't get the meeting. You on. couldn't even get no. the damn meeting going. No. Now, and on this particular issue, you know, that award show maybe gets a 0.02 rating on a good year. I don't think it's going to affect their ratings at all. In fact, they might go up a little bit out of interest to see uh, what if two guys win. Well, let's see. Maybe more interested in what kind of controversy this may cause. But I don't think it'll reflect anything on the ratings. I think if the Oscars oh, I, does this, they'll continue to go down. It's, yeah, I it's, don't think it'll have anything to do with the ratings. I simply look at this as oh, I think they think ratings when they make well, these maybe, decisions uh, too. Maybe or they get like, you look at every it. car commercial now. Like, I mean, they, 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 this this sentiment and this movement, if you want to call it that, is out there everywhere. It's on every buy, every commercial, every, not every, but I mean, it's, it's, it's predominantly a big part of the sell game now. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we, we know that we have these issues that when, um, you know, you, you mentioned about the two male or whatever it is, if this right. were to happen, right. uh, you know, when African-Americans are not chosen as winners for Academy Awards, this right. becomes an issue. Or other authenticity. Or, or yeah. yeah, although it's, it's less Oscar's of a. Oscar's so right. white. Right? Oscar's so white. That was the hashtag for three right. years. And so, I mean, I don't know whether you, whether that means you should then have an African-American category or if the idea is that you're supposed to. If you're a judge, be thinking more about this. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. But it, to me, if the if you're judging the best performance, yeah, do you want all these things in your mind, or are you just supposed to be judging art? Now, have they? Because I, I don't. I, the question I would have is: Have they just cut the categories in half? Like, have they just saved no, a ton doubled. on trophies? They've doubled. Oh, okay. So, so now there's so there's there, there are <laughs> one, two, three, four. There's eight. Uh, it's like the, the meeting in the West Coast. Yeah. It just goes on and on and on and on. There's eight in uh, in each, and half are men. And, well, I think it is. One, two, three, four. Yeah, so it's half and half. So uh, ultimately, you've not really done anything different except that we've saved one trophy. Okay. Because you've got the same number of, right. of nominees. Okay, and so the same number of nominees, but, but... And I saw, isn't that though ironic? 
that you're saying we have no distinction between men except and women. we've got a 50-50. Except it's 50-50 because <laughs> heaven knows we couldn't have more than one or the uh, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, now without, yeah. without muddying the waters even further, I think, you know, there, there is the possibility that the discussions were had that they had to get out in front of um, uh, the possibility at some point of having a transgender actor. Sure. Right? Now, which category do they go in? So, so now you have, so now and you've, there could be, there, I don't well, know. you've these, eliminated that problem now. Yeah, and I don't it's know these performance. people. I don't know these actors, uh, and again, g- gender non-specific actors. I don't know right. these people, so I don't know if there are any transgender actors in here or not. I'm not going to guess. Um, I think it's simple. You just ask which category you want to be nominated in. Well, like, like going into the baseball hall of fame, what cap do you want to wear? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and you get yeah. to choose. You have you, that have you sure. fellas seen, uh, the whale and can, if you have, can you picture the whale being anybody other than Brendan Fraser? So Deservingly I have not. Yeah, I have not, but I've receiving seen Receiving best actor while they still yeah. have it at the Academy Awards and everything else he's won. But still a segment of folks who probably have not seen the whale are upset only at one thing and only talk about one thing when it res- respects that brilliant, brilliant Which film, was? Which was a play. That he's in a prosthetic suit. I can't even say fat suit mm. or you're going to get calls. But it's, it's <laughs> but the what fact it that he's not <laughs> obese and playing an obese man, which is another- Whole uh, other uh, issue. A, a big issue. There have been, there have been a lots- growing issue. No, no, but uh, there have been lots of people who have said that, that- you know, gay characters should only be played by gay actors or disabled characters Absolutely. should only be played right. by disabled right. actors. In but this then case, there's really great actors still for now, for now, that say acting is acting. acting the is, whole point of acting yes. is being somebody you are not. Well, if that was the case, who in the world is doing the lead roles for Breaking Bad? <laughs> we have to hire only a flock of meth cookers and meth dealers to, in order to do this because it's got, you know, anybody, so sorry. anybody who plays a judge must be a judge. Anybody yeah. who well, plays, that's what it's coming to. I mean, this is the point we're trying to make. Anyone right? who plays a murderer. I mean, if you make a movie about a serial killer, you, you need have a, to hire a serial killer to yes, do it. Or you're in trouble, man. That, you're in trouble. I, this, this one, I just, I, I see... I mean, I, I see this not solving whatever problem it is they're trying to get ahead of. You're making of. a bigger problem. You're and that's probably the whole point with this. Others. Uh, the other problem with this um, that I will point out is I was looking at uh, the names of the actors and uh, the names of the, so the six pictures, the six pictures, that sounds so erudite, the six pictures yeah. that are up, movies. Pictures. Yeah. Um, <laughs> babysitter, brother, Falcon Lake, rice boy sleeps, summer with hope and Viking. Heard of any of these? Viking. Have you heard of Viking? Don't know what it's about. Just it rang well, a bell when you said it. You, you I could guess. I don't think it's about a Viking. No, I don't think Viking. it is. I think it's about a kid who grew up in Scarborough. I couldn't. No, he's in a spacesuit. Oh. So I, I so my, <laughs> Scarborough. Sorry. Beyond, beyond, Sorry, I was thinking caveman. Yeah. Beyond the <laughs> issues of all the other things. How is our movie industry so, whatever word you choose to use, that these six best uh, movies, yeah. none of the three of us or four of us, if you include Ben, have ever even, not seen, never even heard of these I movies. Heavily subsidized by your tax dollars, yes, my friend. Exactly. Yeah, I know, but sh- shouldn't there be some expectation that if we're putting the tax dollars to use this way, that... W- they would be things we would have at least heard about. <laughs> when, when I, when I was, like maybe I haven't I was seen a lot of movies. I, there's a lot of movies I have not seen, but I've heard about what you just talked about. The whale. Haven't seen it. Know about it. Oh yeah. 
These? Have no, you? No. Do you remember Bruce McDonald, uh, Adam McGoyan? That era yeah. of Canadian filmmaking was world renowned, and I don't know if maybe that is our highlight, but I remember flicks for Highway sixty nine and others from back then. Whale music, which is another mm. whale that involves a Canadian. Uh, Cold Comfort. It was a lot of really good films around the late eighties and into the nineties. And now, yeah, every year I look at that list, and I'm just I don't know. I don't even want to research. Uh, what these films are about. And it's maybe it's a marketing problem because I'll bet you five of those six movies you'd walk away from very yeah, much. That maybe. Good very movie. much the same. Yeah. yeah, great movie. Maybe. Well, yeah. you had to, you had to, I grew up in Toronto once uh, many, 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 many years back. We're and, sorry to hear that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if you wanted to see these movies, you went to the Carlton Theater right, right next to Maple <laughs> Leaf <times>. Gardens. <laughs> right. And it was the art house place that yeah. you knew that if you went in there, you were going to see something funky. Yeah. So we had cool. the Broadway Theater. Uh-huh. And now the rep houses are back. There's two. Well, well now you just watch it on Netflix eventually. Well, or, that's, but there's that's still streaming some, services, yeah. Some other streaming service. Anyway. Canadian screens, Canadian Unless it's Marvel. Like, yeah. apparently you have to go to the theater for Marvel. <laughs> Jay Farr and Mike, um, I was say Mike Fortune, not Mike Fortune, Mike Neighbors. Thanks ah. for doing this, guys. Really appreciate Mike it. Mike Fortune. In. Good He's man. Good, good man. Yeah, maybe he'll do a podcast with me. Thank you very much, Scott. We really appreciate it. And we had ben, a blast. Good to man. see you had again. A blast. Great job, Ben. Uh, yeah, the uh, the podcast hammer down uh, April fifth on cable fourteen, and then you can uh, catch it on the other places. You would catch all your other podcasts. Um, look for it. We'll remind you of it before then as well. We'll hopefully have these guys back again one of these days Anytime. soon. The Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on nine hundred CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.